This week's episode of Podular Modcast is brought to you by the Novation Summit. I love this synthesizer so much. I'm going to tell you about a little trip that I'm going on here in a moment, and you best believe that this thing's coming with me. So thank you to Novation. Please check them out online. Link in the show description. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week we have Jeremiah Chu on the show. I saw Jeremiah play a few weeks back with John and Sam from Sons Of, who were uh, some recent guests. Jeremiah's set absolutely blew me away, so we're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Excellent conversation coming your way. But first, some business. Um, I've been mentioning for a while that I'm going to be doing some, uh, I'm going to be passing along some things that I'm no longer using from my studio to uh, some lucky Patreon supporters. It's basically going to be a first come first serve. At some point in the next month or so, I am going to just put a post up online with everything that's available and little packages basically. and. Uh, you're going to be able to claim them. So if you want to be able to be in on that, head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. There is a link in the show description. Also, we have bonus episodes now. So at the end of every episode, uh, after we sign off, I ask the guest a few, uh, few more questions. They range from 10 to 25 minutes long, depending on the, you know, how much time we have and what kind of answers the, the questions provoke. Um, And I mentioned last week, I've been trying for two years now to get to 200 Patreon subscribers. And 2023 is going to be the year. I'm putting that on my vision board. Have you heard of these things, these vision boards? Apparently, they're very effective. Um, So if you would like to put it on your vision board for me or just sign up, once again, patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast, link in the show description. I would also like to say thank you to After Later Audio for their continued support of the show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the new-ish Mutable Instruments Classics line that they have released, but I've been using the Razor quite a bit. The Razor is a one-to-one blades uh, by Mutable Instruments, um, and you can see that after later's got their nice uh, color scheme going on here. I, I really like it, and the Razor is an excellent module. All sorts of really, really cool, um, mutable, although a lot of the retired stuff is uh, now available in one-to-one versions from the Mutable Instruments Classic line over at afterlateraudio.com. Link in the show description for that. And if you're wondering, where should I buy my Afterlater Audio products? Well, you could go to their website or you could go to patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Um, they have all all the After Later stuff. They've got 4MS, they've got Recovery, Schlappy, Mystic Circuits. Uh, they've got the new Buchla stuff. They, I mean, everything. Um, but also, they have a whole lot of studio gear. So if you are looking to build your own home studio, like you see here behind me, then Patchworks has you covered. So please visit them online at p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com. That might be all the business for this week because I don't have a lot of time to edit this because this weekend's my birthday. So if you're listening to this the week that it's released... Thursday's my birthday, February 9th, and on February 9th, halfway through the day, 
Um, my wife and I and some of our good friends are heading out to Crescent Lake, which is up on the peninsula of uh, Washington State. And we got a big Airbnb, and there is uh, there's a sauna that's on the lake, and there's a dock there. So I'm hoping, not hoping, I'm going to do a polar plunge, sauna, polar plunge, you know. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And of course, I'm going to bring all my stuff, and I'm going to record some uh, some cool performances out there. Hopefully, I'll find some nice places to shoot. Um if you're wondering, how could I help Tim celebrate his 39th birthday? Um, it's the last one in the 30s. You could head to Bandcamp, timheld.bandcamp.com, and buy some of my albums. Or you could head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. I had to get one more in there. Okay, I think that's the business. Thank you so much for listening to Podular Modcast. Thanks for coming back. If you're listening now uh, on a podcast platform, remember that we are now doing video episodes uh, on YouTube. And if you head over to the YouTube, I would appreciate it if you liked and subscribed. That will help grow the channel, get it into more people's eyes and ears, um, which is which is which would be a good thing for me. Yeah, let's check out this video that I did. Um, so I'm primarily using the Nebulae V2 from um, Qubit. I am also using the Razer from uh, After Later Audio, the dual-shaped envelope VCA from Forumess, and I'm also using the Nautilus and Aurora from uh, Qubit. And I tried to channel my inner Daedalus on this one. It's a, it's a really... I, I usually don't make patches like this, and it kind of happened by accident, and I think it's really cool. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this video. So let's check it out, and then we will get into our chat with Jeremiah.
Jeremiah Chu is on the show. Hey. Welcome. It's <laughs> so nice to. Me. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I can't shake the thought this morning that it's weird that we're doing this via you know Zencaster, which is Zoom for podcasts for the listener. Um, when you were just here, like you were right. in my house like two <laughs> weeks ago. Um, I wish you guys had more time uh, in between you know, going back to Portland. So we could have done one in person. That would have been awesome. But uh, yeah, but thank you for making time for me today. Um, yeah, totally. Okay. It was great. It was you have a lovely home. Thank you. <laughs> so thank I appreciate you. the hospitality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were building a syllabus. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I teach graphic design also over at uh, Otis College here in LA. Mm -hmm. And um, school was basically starting on the last day of tour. So it's, you know, it's one of those things that I just do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So. laughs> and how was the tour? I mean, I saw, I think the show I was at was at the uh, opening show, right? For the tour? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was the best tour. It was so easy. I mean, I think that over, over the past decade and a half or so that I've been touring or playing shows, et cetera, it's just been this incremental... Um, evolution to kind of make it the process go as smoothly as possible and so <laughs> i feel like this really felt quite dialed you know yeah both bands uh in a single four-door sedan right uh, the load was so easy we could easily um get all of the gear in and out in one trip so nobody has to float by the car and and wait and mm -hmm. there's no drums at soundtrack uh, at soundtrack i um <laughs> I love drums, but I don't love hearing, you know, drums sound checked. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to dial in a patch. Yeah. Um, that was great. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it probably didn't hurt that you were uh, touring with two seasoned uh, touring musicians, you know, who've been yeah, doing it, it a long great. time. Um, and what a great, what a great couple of guys to, uh, to tour with. Now, were you uh, buddies with them from the Chicago scene before this, or how did you hook up with with Sam and John? Yeah, so yeah, it probably makes sense to to give a little context. <laughs> right, I was just, just gonna say, um, <clears throat> Sam and John, who are just on the show, uh, John McIntyre and Sam Precop from Tortoise, the Sea and Cake, and together they are sons of. Um, yeah, exactly. So we just we just finished a, a short West Coast tour. Um, about a week long, you know, five ish shows and, um, and I was just opening up for them solo and we were sort of doing this really beautiful, um, in the round setup during these shows. So we were sitting, uh, on the floor out in, in the crowd and it was a really great experience overall. Um, yeah, I met those guys, um, I guess more intimately when I was playing in a band called LA Takedown here in LA and we had done a tour with uh, the sea and cake, which both of them are in. Mm -hmm. And on that tour, I think we just, you know, Sam and I connected very deeply just on our love of gear. It, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a deep sickness. <laughs> it's Sam, Sam is a real gearhead for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we it. both are, all mm -hmm. of us are right. Yeah, That's why right. we're here. Wow. So it was just a really good experience in the sense that we, we really got along and also, you know, beyond gear, um, <clears throat> we got along on, you know, musical adventures in terms of just like, 
you know, what are you listening to? What are you into? And it felt like we were just having this really nice, uh, you know, conversation and, and great coffee, great food, all of those mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah, yeah. so we, we just kind of kept on since that tour. Um, and of course, you know, I grew up in Chicago and had, uh, played in a lot of bands in Chicago as well. Maybe in, you know, like the, um, some of the scenes that were sort of post, uh, tortoise kind of tortoise and scene cake, et cetera, being sort of the central, um, you know, bands in that city and, but tons of overlap in terms of friends, Definitely. musicians, et cetera. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's so cool. Um, also I, I've, I could edit this part out if it's not, if I'm misremembering, but did I see that you were, you played or did some recording with, with John Herndon from tortoise? Um, I haven't done any with him I thought, uh, specifically. I, okay. <clears throat> well, John I and I, I yeah, I, I, I was um, in during the, um, we've talked about it a lot. He's recently <laughs> got into the DigiTact and Digitone and, you know, had some, he was looking for some electron uh, <laughs> conversations, which mm-hmm. I'm always up for having with anybody. Um, but he, during the, you know, kind of like the height of the pandemic, I was, booking a lot of uh, virtual shows via Twitch. And so I was hosting a lot of, you know, people that were playing in all different cities. And John being here in LA was also one of those shows um, that Dan Bittney and his wife, Selena, they curated um, a really wonderful program that was basically them in in Chicago, um, M. Takara and, uh, and his partner in Sao Paulo, I believe. John here in LA and then Jamie Ranch out in Alaska. Um, And it was just this really beautiful concert that sort of could only happen, you know, Mm -hmm. via a Twitch stream during the pandemic. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I actually have a really funny connection with, with John Herndon um, because, you know, he's an artist and a tattoo artist and I, you know, Mm -hmm. I like tattoos and um, I was always, you know, thinking to myself like, I think for my 40th birthday, which is actually a year from Thursday, um, I was like, I, I really like to get tattooed by John Herndon. Um, so I, I just reached out to him. I said, Hey, where are you located? I'm thinking about getting tattooed by you someday in the future. And, uh, and then I, I had like tagged the message. Like, uh, if you ever decide to get into modular, let me know. And he responded and he said, that's so weird. Um, I'm actually talking to one of my bandmates right now about buying a case for modular. Oh, and no. it, was, it was John McIntyre. <laughs> right. Um, so I said, Oh man, that's, I cannot, you know, cause I'm, I've been a, like a huge tortoise fan for right. way before I got into modular. Um, and you know, I was like, well, I've got a bunch of like prototype stuff. I, you know, like I get, I have a lot of modules that I don't use cause I, you know, work for a modular company and I get sent stuff a lot. And, uh, so I just built him a little care package and sent it and he, oh, I, I wish I could show it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the screen in the episode, but he, as a thank you, he like gave me this giant, like original painting. Um, yeah, and yeah, we've been, yeah, we've just been kind of like chatting here and there since. And it's been, uh, it's been really cool and surreal as hell. Um, you know, for uh, sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they're all great guys. So yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about my <laughs> stuff um well yeah I, I, I like so how many shows were on the tour 
So there was basically, we just did the West Coast. So there were five shows. Um, okay. <clears throat> Seattle down, basically, to LA. Okay. Okay. Do you guys play in Ar- Ar- Arcada or Arcadia? Is it Arcadia yeah. or Arcadia? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's Arcada. Uh, Arcada. Okay. Arcada okay. or Arcada. It wasn't Arcadia. Not in Port, uh, not in o- Oregon. It was in in California. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, I mean, like you said, you did like the in the round thing. Um, it yeah. was so cool. Like I love Barboza in Seattle, where I saw you. Um, I've actually That's played on that stage a number of times. Um, it was so cool to. I was sitting on the stage watching your guys' mm-hmm. sets, which was I don't know. It was just a cool cool experience and. You know, modulars, I think sometimes, I don't know what the word is I'm trying, it, it, it can be a little bit of a a hard thing for an audience or for uh, for the performer in a live situation. Like, in fact, even at that show, I heard somebody say rather snarkily, like, oh, what am I, you know, some, their friend said, let's, can we go to the front or something? And, he's, and they, they said, uh, oh, what am I going to do? Just watch people turn knobs? Um so I think the That's way exactly you, what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I want to like, look at like I, before you guys came out, like when your stuff was set up, I was definitely just like peeping your systems. Um, but the way you guys had set up that, that made it more engaging. Um, and then I also bring this up because I think your set in particular, I mean, John, you know, having John having like some percussion stuff it definitely like adds to a live feel, but the way the way you were using acoustic instruments, and I have some specific questions about that mm-hmm. in a second. But um, I want to say that I think you're one of the most enjoyable modular performers that I've seen and heard. You know, like you're you're doing stuff, you're interacting with real. You know, you're not just sitting there turning knobs, and your set had this excellent flow of being like one continuous thing that. You know, if you took just little snapshots, it would sound like pretty, um, what's the word? Like not, not repetitive in a bad way, but you know, when like you, you get in like a right. groove and it's just like a nice repetitive mm-hmm. groove, but it wasn't that it, you, you were like, have such a way of, of manipulating it slowly to add enough change to keep it intriguing. So I just wanted to, you know, yeah, thank you. tip my hat to that. Um, <clears throat> Thanks. And then on the it's, nerdy um, side. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that is something that I've, I've, in, I intentionally focus on for a long time. You know, I mean, as you can see, I'm like somebody that grew up playing uh, synthesizers in the in the full scale. But mm-hmm. over time, it's like these things are less practical to to bring out. Um, but in terms of performance and, and and composition and music, it's something that I'm also interested in. I use modular format not uh for i guess a few reasons one of them being that i find it just an interesting way to um to work with sound um Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it can be quite linear and other times it's quite abstract and then of course the the size and the format makes it quite easy to bring something out Um, i intentionally avoid using like a computer on stage just because i well i personally you know i'm also a graphic designer i'm always you know i'm also teaching um and so i'm on the computer quite a lot and i really like the sort of tactile um instrument itself where it's finite in some ways in its bounds um and it allows me to then explore something truly as an instrument so you know i think a lot about the idea of that 
of the performance itself, but also the sort of um, narrative uh, and the flow of things, but also thinking about um, what can I do to make these thing these performances interesting as well. And so there is a lot of um, <clears throat> improvisation that happens during those sets where I will follow the lead of something that I capture or do or play. Um, I've been to, you know, tons of shows over, over my lifetime. And, and it's the same thing. It's like, I sometimes hear amazing performances done on a laptop and I'm like, Oh, it would be so great to just bring this you know, computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the performative aspect, the analog. I love yeah. that there it's volatile and that something could go wrong and you can kind of hear that, but there's some level of control that you're exerting. Um, to reel those things in and something might come in that's a little bit off. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of my listening is, is, you know, a lot, I listen to a lot of jazz and experimental and et cetera. And I like the feeling of uh, improvising in this context, because I also don't see a lot of people doing that exact thing. And so I'm sort of looking for the um, humanness in electronic yeah. music or yeah. or these forms so that's really the goal and i appreciate you picking up a little bit on the the uh you know acoustic elements etc absolutely yeah i mean i think i think i could have uh i could have not rambled as long and just said you know what you said there at the end like you are really good at inter- you know injecting the human element into this you know this type of music that sometimes doesn't sound like it's made by humans you know (laughs) right right i mean the Uh, the other thing especially in the realm of modular that happens and i'm sure we've all heard is like the the number one comment that i'll get usually from people after they see my set is they're like it's so amazing that you were able to play songs you know or like there's like song structure Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and it's not just sort of one patch and i think people Mm -hmm. are so used to it being like one patch for 30 minutes with a lot of reverb and um, you know, intentionally, like the way that the system is set up it is a little bit more straightforward so that I can kind of traverse through many different things on it at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of the, the system, I have, um, I guess it's a question, but I'm going to try to, I, w- I want to try to guess first. Um, sure, please. Uh, cause I did peep your system, mm-hmm. the live, the live recording, were you basically um, turning down like the mixer that your morphogen was going into, turning off the, you know, going into the live input, sampling into morphogen, going to the sound on sound, and then turning it up in the mixer, and then like de- deleting what you did to get to the next thing? Exactly. That's yeah. So nice. I, <laughs> I, it, you know, this <clears throat> this set is basically it, you know, was like a morphogen workout, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I basically have, uh, I have my mixer, which is, you know, like a, you know, too many channel, um, frap tools mixer, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. and I basically just have the aux sends that one of them goes to morphogene, uh, and not the one goes through sort of a chain of, of other effects. Mm-hmm. And so that at any moment I can send any channel, um, and pick those things up. Oh, so that's I do awesome. like to, yeah, yeah. To use the that's... aux sends basically. So, yeah. Well, speaking of like going back to what you said um, about, you know, trying to build out song structure and the you know, building, you know, sometimes people build the, just the one patch to try to play for 30 minutes. That's kind of, I don't know why I've, I've 
always tried to make just my 7U case work for a live situation, right. probably <laughs> just because I don't want to bring a bunch of stuff. Um, but right. that's really hard to do um, at my current level. Hard. Um, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I've got the Morphogene, the Nebulae, and the, the STS, and I'm trying to, right. you know, and I'm introducing guitar into my process now. So yeah, just by using sends, just like you said, um, and the live sampling thing, um, my friend David, who was with me, he was like, how is he not getting feedback when he was recording yeah. that live stuff? And I was like, because he's using morphogene and this is what he's doing. And I was like, I, wonder yeah. if, I was like, I'm positive. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah just, and it's just proximity and testing. You know, there have been mm -hmm. sets and, and even during that where you do pick the PA back up into the system mm -hmm. and you know, when that stuff comes in, you just kind of listen to it. And I think that that's mm -hmm. also really a huge part of the performance is like, um, it's just listening. And then just finding that moment where you're like, it didn't pick up exactly what I thought. And I have no idea what's coming out of this right now or what it did pick up. Or sometimes I'll leave an extra aux on mm -hmm. by accident. And then it's just picked <laughs> up all sorts of stuff. And you just have to kind of ride that wave. Yeah, and yeah and see how you can reel it in and, and build off of it. I think yeah. that I've worked with like a, a huge number of samplers and granular modules over the years. And I really love morphogene because I feel like it's quite musical. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's some, some sort of understanding that I have with the way that it functions that I just am really used to at this point. Um, that's different from other granular or, you know, sampling devices um i do use a lot of other samplers but that particular one i'm like i kind of know what's going to happen more or less uh and it will surprise me and then i can play with that yeah yeah I, I, that's kind of where i'm at with um morphogene I, I i was using um r bar for a while and i've had you know right. lupa um right. and i just got <clears throat> nebulae and i actually let my friend david who was at the show with me borrow um my morphogene because i was like i just got the nebulae I, I really want to wrap my head around this because I don't want to just try to make it a morphogene and I don't mm -hmm. want to just like get frustrated and just put the morphogene back in the case if I'm, if I'm not getting what I want out of this. Um, but yeah, I would say like I do a lot of these like remote performances where I just go out in the woods or somewhere with my battery powered right. synth and the morphogene <clears throat> has been probably for 90% of those, like the primary way that I can make something interesting on the fly in by right. crater lake or something you know um that was a long tangent i usually don't get <laughs> this okay. far into uh <laughs> this into is what people are here for right <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> i usually don't get this far in without i usually start with background and stuff but um yeah i just i was really curious about the tour and everything but i would like to i know a little bit about your background just i was you know listening to another interview that you that you you had done um but yeah you know when i guess like what's your journey to modular and and how does how sure. does modular fall in your lap because that's always a pretty interesting story yeah i mean i i grew up playing synthesizers um you know interestingly the like group of friends that i had in in high school um i think there was well in particular mike Brower's this guy uh, and his older brother i think was uh, introducing us to drum machines and synthesizers mm -hmm. and they started to just get passed around um you know our our family of friends and we would just hold on to them and then started to have 
be in bands that were traversing, you know, from emo and punk to uh, electronic music or sort of everything in between. And, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, I ended up playing in, you know, a bunch of bands, having my own projects, et cetera. And then um, <clears throat> I was playing in a band called Icy Demons for a while in Chicago, which is um, probably how I met some of the other people like Jeff Parker or, or Josh Abrams or people in like the uh, Chicago jazz uh, world. Cause the, um, the main songwriter Griffin Rodriguez was a, you know, an amazing, is an amazing bass player and songwriter. And he and Chris Powell, who is in, was in man, man in Philadelphia, there was like this sort of connection and um, the hub of, you know, our musical endeavors were at this studio and shared, you know, work, live, loft um, on Chicago's South Side called The Shape Shop. And oh, cool. Shape Shop just was home to a lot of different uh, artists and musicians over the years. So, you know, went from playing um, in Icy Demons to playing in this band called Chandeliers as well. Um, that it was like a hardware uh, synth, uh, you know, group. And so it, there was always kind of this <clears throat> through line or thread of like, it's, it's cool to see people play <laughs> these synths <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and not just program them entirely. And, you know, as I sort of continued forward, that, that scene or that um, space was so um, amazing because it just introduced me and uh, to so much music and, and so many um, approaches to music making because there, you know, there were people like uh, Keith Jackson, who's like this amazing um, jazz musician in Chicago that was like practicing and then uh, in one room. And then uh, Brett Sova, who does Axis Sova, who's who's kind of like more of like a, um, you know, psych rock or garage rock, or he's going to be mad if I miss this <laughs> <laughs> genre. But he's making amazing, uh, you know, music on with his guitar that kind of traverses all this territory and then you have you know the electronic uh musicians and the you know all sorts of different things all in one space and and when you're kind of hanging out in the uh living room or the kitchen it's just like records are flying through Mm -hmm. and you just hear tons of stuff over time and and so i think that a lot of what happened and and there was something that was just brewing anyways is that you started to um be influenced by really like things from all over the place and so you know i'm listening to as much uh moondog as i am ymo as i am you know anything uh uh chopin you know or whatever Mm -hmm, right um and it's kind of like this mix of stuff that you start to try to bring into um, your palette and that's what develops it. So, you know, when I'm, I'm doing, uh, when I'm making stuff, that's always the challenge is it's like, it, it doesn't sit in, you know, ambient music or electronic music or modular music, but it's just like, there's all these touch points of sound that I'm interested in bringing into it. Um, and then getting into modular, basically what happened is, um, at the time at shape shop there, um, was this video synthesizer artist, Brown Shoes Only, uh, Nick Chianti, who now lives in Portland and um, works at LZX. And 
it was just an evolution. He was really into modular stuff and he was making video modules. And at some point he was like, you want to buy my make noise system? This was like V1 original case, you know, <laughs> make oh, noise. Wow. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he gave me like this great deal. And I just remember um, sitting with that thing, you know, after having worked with all, all of these kinds of synths over time and learning how to like basically, um, basically sync them using an 808 or uh, through MIDI via an MPC. And we were like really MPC people for a long time because mm-hmm. I thought it was a, you could control so much stuff with one uh, device and have samples. And then as you got into more, you know, basically like with all these old Roland things, it's just triggers, uh, gate triggers that advance sequences. And so once I got into modular, it was like, okay, it's now notes and gates and all this stuff together. It took me a while, you know, I think with that first system where I, I was just sitting in my living room, plugging stuff in and being like, oh, that's clearly an output and I'm putting an input into, you know, like over and over and over again until I was like, what is going on? And you kind of have to dive into those manuals for a while to understand them conceptually. And they're so, they're much more complex sometimes than meets the eye. And uh, it just really started to open up for me. So that was kind of the the way I got into modular mm-hmm. um, and then doing more and more shows, um, trying to avoid bringing out, you know, tons of gear. It yeah. got to this point where my system basically is is like um, several monosynths and effects and chains mm-hmm. in a case. So it really yeah. is kind of like analog monosynths. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 And, and that whole, uh, you know, going back to um, that, that thing you mentioned a minute ago about like, I don't want to just make ambient or whatever, you know, I want to just right. make basically the music that I feel like a lot of people, or this is, this is myself, um, I try to, you know, I get into so many different types of music and then I start looking for, you know, if I'm listening to a lot of deer hoof and I'm listening to a lot of, uh, you know, like, you know, something super ambient, I'm like, is there anything that exists that's like a little bit deer hoof right. and a little bit this and, 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 you know, it, there's probably something, but if you don't find it, then for me, that becomes the inspiration for what kind of stuff I want to make. Um, and I'm not as like driven by like, I really want to make a pure modular song or anything like that. And, um, yeah, I've just been a lot more excited about the prospect of bringing guitar back into it because I basically ditched all the musical instruments that I had any sort of proficiency in once I got into modular. Right. And now I'm just barely proficient with modular, but I'm, I'm like, well, I'm good enough with it where I can start introducing some stuff that I'm actually good at. So maybe I could make some, you know, substantially more listen toable music. Um. <laughs> you know, I think that I, I, I've developed a pretty high threshold these days for things that I can listen to and, and things that I want to experience because sometimes, you know, especially when you get into the realm of like academic music um, or, truly experimental stuff um some of that stuff is there are studies you know and and you're listening Mm -hmm. kind of through them um and i have a high threshold for that stuff because i'm engaged in in thinking also about what the process is of these people that are making and i do that sometimes as well if i'm creating something that's like a sound installation or more of a, a study or a work a sound work rather than sort of like a 
something that I would say is a musical, you know, output for you to listen on repeat or whatever. Right. They're totally. just different ways of thinking about mm-hmm. the sound world. Um, that yeah. I think are all, all overlap. They all influence each other. They're all quite interesting. Um, and I'm less um, interested these days in, in defining what that thing needs to be, because I do think that like a work, uh, like an album can function as a, in, in many different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just really quick. Uh, uh-huh. I think, I think it was Jeff Parker that I was thinking of that I saw. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Jeff. Zach, <laughs> did you recently jam or play a show with Jeff or something? Yeah. Jeff and I, um, have gotten into some stuff. Uh, you know, he, he lives quite close by and, and has the most amazing band that plays, um, at ETA, this, you know, really small, uh, cocktail lounge bar mm-hmm. in Highland park. And, and it's so intimate and so beautiful, but Jeff and I have be, you know, become quite good friends over the, the past few years. Um, also because we, we both, uh, work with international anthem. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just this great family and community of, uh, musicians, but Jeff is, you know, uh, Jeff and I got together. He was helping me work on some solo music and some, you know, it's great. He's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Um, I love that um, yeah, Four some, Folks album that he released oh, last year. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, speaking of international anthem and albums, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was funny. I bought that album and then I don't know if I got your um, it, uh, Olong Islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Olong um, Islands. Olong Islands. That's right. Um, I was like, oh, wait, these have the same, oh, it's the same label. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to talk about that album. But before we go into that specifically, you know, you talked about, you know, like not necessarily wanting, you know, having to know what a thing is, but just as a thought experiment, you're you're going to make an album, right? Like mm-hmm. starting today, you're going to start tracking an album, like what is that process for you? Like, do you, do you try to think of some sort of like narrative or concept or more of a feeling or a vibe that you're trying to go for? Or, uh, and, and when you, with specific songs, do you get like mel- melodic ideas in your head that you then try to make, or do you more like try to find something to pull out of your system than to follow? Like, right. I think it really varies. I think it's all of those things. You know, the one thing that I've sort of, um, that I know is that making anything uh, takes a lot of work (laughs) and you kind of have to keep chipping away at it. And sometimes, um, you know, starting things can be quite easy because you can just riff, turn things on, press record. You'll find these sort of moments that dial in, but finishing them or editing them or getting them finalized is quite hard because that's when... Mm -hmm the story develops or like the, the meaning kind of solidifies. And so, um, when I'm starting, you know, I always sort of have like, I have infinite (laughs) project ideas that I'll sort Mm -hmm. of riff on. And sometimes they kind of find each other and meet each other. Um, and this is where like the visual world also comes in. Uh, my practice as a visual artist or a graphic designer, all those kinds of things kind of can meet. And sometimes these projects, uh, traverse, um, you know, from being like, oh, I started off with trying to do a, a song, but now I have like a sound installation or whatever that ends up being. Um, but sometimes I think it's like when you're 
noodling in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, it is that micro moment of detail where you're like, I found a pocket where the feeling evokes something special. Mm-hmm. And when you sort of feel that, it, it's quite nice. Um, other times, you know, you're like, I have this song and I'm going to make song. And I sit down and press record <laughs> and I need to make song. And then you listen back and you're like, nah, not good. You know, that's, um, oh my God, you're <clears throat> totally explaining my, my process <laughs> currently. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, my partner, uh, Marta, has heard me infinite times go back to the hard drive, pull something out that I recorded, and hear me just be like, hey, this is it's pretty good. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that distance, yeah, I have, that, that temporal yeah. distance is really important, I think, for a lot of stuff. It, it's like, true. Um, um, yeah, so it is and it isn't sometimes linear um, and things will start. But like, as for example, right now I am really working on a couple different records simultaneously, which have very concrete um, uh, ideas or expressions or themes behind them that I start to try to explore. You know, for my solo uh, record right now, there's just tons of music, but... I haven't really developed the through line of how they all connect, but I understand right now that, and and this is in part why I was doing some of these tours is that you kind of try some of that material out. And um, I am really exploring that idea of like humanness or, you know, the human quality or connection in electronic music uh, or Mm -hmm. using electronic tools. So uh, what that narrative is, is I think right now humanness is far too broad and, and too general. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and how do I kind of dial into different uh, aspects of the human condition um, that then I can say like this song is exploring uh, this or this piece is um, touching on these moments. And that's kind of where things kind of get dialed in because I can start to hear that narrative. So, you know, if we want to jump into the record record the uh, that I did with Marta, sure, yeah, for an international anthem recordings from the Olan Islands, like that one uh, was a very different approach to making a record than any of these are. So each time I'm working on a different project, it kind of has its own uh, process. That I try yeah, to I mean develop. that. That one seemed like very involved, um, you know, like multiple places in the world over, a, you know, a period of time. And it had, you know, actually, can you just kind of give us the um, give us the rundown on that for the people yeah, who don't sure. know? So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. A, it was a project. Um, the record is called Record uh, Recordings from the Oland Islands. Um, it's done by myself and uh, Marta Sophia Honer on International Anthem. And it's basically a record that we recorded that started basically from a trip that we took to um, the Olan Islands, which are in a series of islands that make up an archipelago that sit between uh, Sweden and Norway. And we found ourselves there because we were actually out there with a group of friends to help um, another friend and her mother um, start like a small hotel, basically that they could also double as a, uh, artist workshops or a residency space, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So gave us an opportunity to go there, explore this landscape in this place. Um, and out of that, we didn't intend to make a record, but we found ourselves with a lot of moments of just like time and space. And we had our instruments, of course. So we were re- recording little snippets of stuff, just kind of uh, improvised, impromptu um, 
one of our dear friends that was with us there, Sean Pecknold, is also just like a uh, constant voice memo-ist <laughs> and is just capturing all of these different moments um, throughout our journey. And so we didn't intend to make this record. And when we came back, I started to hear all these little snippets of a recording and thought maybe this could become something. Um, and then sharing that, you know, uh, with, um, with Scotty McNeese, who runs, you know, co-runs international anthem at some point, he was listening to some of these things. I think we were just hanging out. He's like, what are, what are these recordings? And can I hear more of them? And he helped us basically, uh, he basically said, can you craft these things, you know, fully? Uh And it set us on a path to kind of develop that record in full because it was probably, I would say 75% there. It had all these different moments, but it wasn't fully coherent as a record yet. But what ended up happening is that um, we kind of gave ourselves a framework or a structure to work with from those recordings, which is to say like, if we're going to use this, let's only use what we happened to capture while we were there. Let's not go to a studio. Let's not overdub a bunch of music and rewrite or re-record anything, but actually the quality of some of these recordings, which, you know, a lot of that record does come from field recordings that are done on an iPhone, um, Mm -hmm. have a air about them. They have a, you can sort of feel their presence in a different way. And so, can we use just what we have? And it wasn't really a ton of material, you know, mm-hmm. we sort of had finite amount of stuff. And that's also why when you listen to that record, it's like, there's not much bass because we weren't playing bass, you know, <laughs> like uh, we weren't composing in that way. They were just snippets of moments. You know, that's fun. Like <clears throat> now that you mention it in hindsight, I'm like, Oh yeah, there, there isn't much bass, but you definitely don't miss it. Um, and the, yeah, the field recording side of it is, um, you know, one of my, one of the things that really drew me in because I, I, I have, you know, field recording equipment and weird, you know, underwater mics, hydrophones, geophones and stuff. And, um, I know field recording is something that is, uh, there's a lot of overlap with the modular community and stuff, but I, I feel like I'm really hunting for a way to use it as its own voice as an instrument, but not just have it be run of the mill field field recording and i feel like um your album is is a really good one to listen to for you know to take inspiration from because i, I think sure. you you did that just masterfully like thanks and the, and the you know having the uh is it viola or violin yeah the viola yeah i mean just having that alongside the just everything is just like the humanness you know because right. you know there's bits of conversation and laughing in in these parts and you know, these candid moments that it, it it all just fits into this thing. And then when you get the vinyl and you get like that, the booklet and you get to go through right. the whole thing and, and understand <laughs> the whole story, it really becomes this, this, this thing that's so much more than just an album, you know? And I, I'm right. just like so attracted to stuff like that. I think like, yeah, so I'm going to stop rambling. And if there's anything <clears throat> no, else no. about this that you want to share, I, I mean, would I love think, to hear I think that. that's... That's exactly what it is. You know, what we touched on earlier and thinking about like making an album versus making a work uh, that sort of can stand in a different context, but also it just takes the form mm-hmm. format of like uh, an album. I do, you know, we did approach that record in a way that's like, this is a, it's a story. That's really mm-hmm. what it is. You know, this is um, um, a story that we're trying to tell and, and that we captured. And so the feeling of it, 
listening to it front to back is is quite in, uh, integral to the experience of it. So it can live with you in that space, but it it feels like could we create something that actually felt like it transported you to a place that you know that you've never been to or maybe you have been to, but that it actually has that quality of it being um, not overly perfect you know in fact mm -hmm. it's far from and and i love to leave those moments in the performance and absolutely and everything where it's like maybe the pitch went out a little or maybe there was these extra sounds or there was you know a part of that where um part of it was from a live performance in the church and you can hear a boy coughing in the recording but i was like i'm not gonna edit that out like that's what happened and that's what ha it yep. puts you in the space so totally yeah i really like leaving that stuff in all of the music because those are the things that actually i think uh you might feel more than you might hear um and i think it's important to keep that i i 100 agree <clears throat> um I, that's why i you know no matter where i go when i'm doing like these these like remote performances out wherever i always have because uh, you know i use my field recorder is that's how i record my synth and then i got my shotgun mic and my stereo mics and i'm always recording those too because you never know what's going to happen and i have people yeah. come and ask me funny questions or you know like and and sometimes it i include that in there and it does become part of the you know this this idea that i've been kicking around a lot and talked about a few times on the show is this this like sonic journal rather than yeah. having you know go back and reading like i was sad this day or whatever you can right, go back right. and be like i'm looking at this video <laughs> that i made and i do a lot of them on my wife and i's um uh, anniversary road trips we every year we mm -hmm. take an anniversary week-long road trip somewhere so my wife really enjoys she she gets she's you know not she's not super stoked when I'm like, Oh, just one more, one more take when she's just kind of sitting right. there watching me record, but she does enjoy them as like these, these kind of like, rather than showing people slideshows at our house of our right. Yellowstone vacation, it's like, here, check these videos out. Um, cause I yeah, cut in video great. as well. And, <clears throat> um, yeah, it's just, it's like, I don't know. There's, there's something that's, I don't know what that, that, that's, that just draws me in. And I don't know why that's something that I just feel like I really want to re, like capture when I'm out there, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I, love, I, mean, I love doing I wish, it and I love hearing Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was more sort of diligent about the quality, the fidelity of the recordings, but I just end up using my phone more than anything really? else. Cause it's there, you know, it's there. And I think there's also something nice about, um, not seeing the microphone and and it changes the capture of their performance in some ways and so like there are certain of course there are times where i'm like oh man i wish this was a lot of time like i wish this was higher fidelity but you know you can do stuff with it and i think how it sits in a mix and you know how it's treated makes a huge difference but mm -hmm. i like the candid nature of some of that stuff yeah and i think also some um it was out of necessity but you know, first getting when I was first getting into like making my own music, with the, you know, with the DAW, I was basically running drum machines through effects pedals and stuff. Um, right. And I had, you know, I I didn't have good equipment. You know, like I had really shitty equipment. In fact, um, so there were parts, there were guitar parts that I'd actually use my laptop mic as my input. And then I would say, okay, well, rather than try to make these sound like they're not a laptop mic, how can I make them 
how can I lean into that? And I got really into like um, using things for effects that weren't like plugins for effects that weren't effects, you know, <clears throat> like, um, you know, putting weird like DSers on things that were really tinny and like right. trying to, you know, what, what, and then I, and it was just like a really fun way to explore and cut my teeth in the whole like experimental side of music. Um, yeah, you're exploring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long were you out there on, on the island working on the hotel? So we had done two trips. The first trip was uh, about two, both of them were about two weeks. And the first one was uh, in uh, 2017 and then again in 2019. But the second time we went back, we um, <clears throat> had a familiarity with the place. We had a little bit more of an intention. We were able to get a grant to play a go- concert there in the church. So it was much, uh, much more formal. Mm-hmm. So is the album made up of recordings from both trips? Uh, yeah, it basically composed, it, it's like a, a, you know, by the time we went back for the second one, we kind of knew we were like, let's make a record, you know, mm-hmm. we had some ideas. Um, so we did a concert and recorded that whole thing. And some of that made its way into the recording. And, you know, the hotel at that point was more or less up and running. Um, the first trip we were doing a lot of like demo and painting, you know, like mm-hmm. we were just mm-hmm. knocking down, uh, kitchen appliances and walls and stuff like that. And, and it was super fun. Um, but when we went back there, it was just like, here's an opportunity to explore a little bit more. Um, I mean, that place is amazing because in the summer, I mean, first off, there's barely anybody there, you know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a super small Island of like a few hundred people. I think that we went um, to the high school and talked to somebody or the school rather. And they were like, there are 14 students that make up the class of K through 12, you know, like it was like super small, you know, my Um, graduating class was one. (laughs) Exactly. So, so it ends up being this, uh, yeah, a little bit of, uh, this place where it's like what you're presented with is time and space. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the sun in the summer, the sun doesn't set. So like you have this really strange experience with a landscape that, uh, kind of invites you to slow down, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. just kind of relax and and think and be. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing what that will do for, um, for creativity and inspiration. Um, you know, I, my wife and I are avid campers. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I just, I, as often as I can try to bring my music equipment out uh, to air, you know, this actually next weekend, for my birthday, we're going away for three nights up to uh, Crescent Lake, which is on the peninsula. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, I'm just going to bring everything out there and try to shoot as much video and play as much stuff. And uh, there's just something about getting out in the woods and away from your everyday experience that for me right. anyways, just really like, it's just bellows on my creative fire. Um, for sure. You're just like uh, me, man. I'm a. I can't take a vacation without bringing everything and booking a show. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. When I went to New York, I, I was like, as my wife, since we're gonna be out there, do you think I could try to book a show? And yeah, I ended up playing a show in in the East Village, and um, yeah, it was awesome. Um, so also we're because we're we're coming up on an hour here soon, sure, and I want to sure. make sure I don't um, overlook the fact that you do have a new album coming out soon, right? 
Yeah, we have a uh, a piece that is part of the long form editions um, mm-hmm. series, which is you know it's I, I wouldn't I don't know that it would be a full album, but it is a substantial amount of music that could yeah. easily be. You know, I've heard shorter albums. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, it's about it's 19 minutes of music, um, okay. which you know, in thinking about it in the context of uh, a single piece, it's like it, it was hard. It was a lot of yeah. music to kind of um, to develop something that felt like it flowed through um, long form editions. I'm sure you're familiar with. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, it's a Can really you describe wonderful. It? For the listener, if yeah. you don't know, like Sam did. Yeah, one, right? so, exactly. Sam's done two, I think. Oh, okay, um, right, right. So it is a series that is digital. You know, they're on Bandcamp, um, and they put out basically. F- they they have four artists do long form pieces each um, volume of that series, and so I think they're probably, I'm guessing, on their thirtieth volume at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they come out quarterly more or less okay. um, every few months you have like a new batch of four pieces that are long form. Um, and that's really the only parameter is that they're long form and, and it's amazing to kind of listen through because, um, there are so many different artists, there, all doing amazing work. Um, and so there's this really beautiful connection between all of those works, but their approaches are very different. <clears throat> um, mm to thinking about long form. So you'll have some, as an example, you'll have someone like, uh, bitch and Bajas, um, you know, um, creating a 30 minute piece that, that is more, uh, drone oriented or, uh, you know, tonal, very long tones. Um, and it's, it's sort of incredibly lush and beautiful and slow moving, but then you'll have another piece that's extremely, uh, active you know sam's pieces mm-hmm. are a little bit more are a little bit more active and i kind of love that they, they all live in this space together and um and just carry the through line of like it's a long piece you know <laughs> yeah yeah i love that um yeah it kind of reminds me of uh have you heard of the tone science series um i think i have ian body on the din label um i think there are four or five now um but they're basically Great basically just compilation albums um, with, you know, each track is a different artist, but um, yeah, the idea is just like be, be experimental and explorative. And um, yeah, there's really, really great stuff. Um, I, you know, I think our Benny's been on light bath, div kid. Oh, I was yeah. on one of them, which was really awesome. Nice. I was on with light bath and uh, I think Andrew Wong. Um, oh great! Yeah, if you're into yeah, it's it's kind of similar, in, except for it's individual tracks and albums. But I think right. you, should, you should check that out as well. Yeah, I mean, um, the piece that we did is it is is worth listening to if you've heard our previous record because it's actually quite different um, yeah. than anything you might have heard from us. Uh, Marta and I do this uh, together as well. Okay, um, cool. So yeah, it, it's uh, it's something that was composed in in studio and and just has a totally different uh expression than than the uh recordings from the Olan islands mm-hmm. so. well yeah and that's what i think i i wasn't <clears throat> sure what to expect from your live set when i saw you a few weeks back because right. i knew that the album was a little more collaborative and had the field aspect and everything and um right. yeah it, it was cool to hear something different but that still had kind of like a that human that human thing whatever your right 
your voice, basically. Like, I really like when I can hear a, uh, an artist's voice, you know, in multiple, um, you know, recordings that might be kind yeah, of yeah, far I, away from each other. I appreciate that. I mean, it's something that I don't recognize entirely, but I, I sort of have my tendencies, you know, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and hope totally. they go through. But yeah, there were parts in that set that were like um, very beat heavy or mm -hmm. rhythmic, mm -hmm. you know, polyrhythmic. And I was like, there were some shows where I was like, I'm going in right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of uh, rhythmic chaos and, mm -hmm. and it felt quite fun to do. But yeah, the I do perform a lot in LA solo as well um, with a number of collaborative artists. So, mm -hmm. you know, I do, I am trying to um, think about this practice uh, you know, as a synthesis or modular person where I can collaborate in, I love the idea of it, of like being able to play at, you know, at the jazz club with a couple of jazz musicians totally, improvising yeah. together, but I have my modular system and that's kind of how we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I do collaborate with a lot of different people and it's super fun. Dustin Wong, I played a lot with Booker Stardrum is an amazing, um, you know, sonic, uh, magician and so there's like all of these people that i think are working solo and um are able to come into a collaborative context um and we're just all kind of trying to find opportunities to collaborate and work with each other so the the scene of musicians doing this right now feels very active very fertile very totally fun. and i i also <laughs> like something that's exciting to me about this is you know like Modular is definitely gaining in popularity, and I think it's starting to break through out of just like the hobbyist, super niche nerd zone. Yes. Um, and getting you know the you know the fact that the, you know the guys in Tortoise are messing with it, and you're playing right. with you know with with Jeff, and um, I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, so when you are jamming with with uh, like some some jazz musicians in that setting. Uh -huh. Do you use like envelope followers or anything to try to like get some sort of sync or reaction from them? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, I have done that. So most recently we did like two nights at the same um, club called ETA that Jeff and his group play at. And it was me with half of Jeff's band. Um, myself, Greg Allman, who's a guitarist, uh, um, Anna Butters, who plays bass, Josh Johnson, who plays horn, and then Booker Stardrum on drums. And it was kind of the, it was like actually an amazing set of stuff that we recorded two nights, four sets. Um, and it was the first time I went into this with like a completely empty, um, uh, no patch, no nothing. Oh, wow. Everything was just kind of empty. And I was like, let's uh -huh. just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're so well versed that like we, we spoke no words before we sat down to play <laughs> and it wasn't even like, should we play in this key? It wasn't right, even right. that. It was just like, somebody start and we will follow yeah. and we'll uh -huh. just kind of do this. Um, but I did. I love that. Yeah, it was super fun. So I did have um, a couple envelope followers, but also just like ways to sample live and then re-manipulate. So that's where some of these other granular things come in um, mm -hmm. where you can just riff off of something. But also at this point, I'm like pretty uh, used to like, uh, how a sequencer works and where hits will fall and what that rhythmic thing is just by looking at the thing without hearing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a lot of these moments of like, I'm going to program a beat on the fly based on what everyone else is playing. 
uh, and then bring that in and see what happens. You know, uh -huh, uh -huh. for the most part, it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, I used to do these things called Monster Planet um, here in Seattle, where they were basically they were like these four hour improv jams where you would just you know they would the person who ran it would get uh you know four to five musicians who don't know each other no plan you show right. up and you all set up and then there's a person doing like uh video like vjing basically oh, cool. just like yeah, mixing yeah. up video and you just jam and i felt like a lot of the times i would start bringing in a drum beat to try to see if because you know a lot of the for four hours you just get a lot of people in their own world making yeah. a lot of noise but you would there would right, be right. these moments of magic sometimes and i would try to find those with drum beats sometimes and just but yeah i love i love just getting together and um you know it's probably more fun for the people involved a lot of the time with stuff like that but i feel like with it yeah you have to be aware <laughs> right yeah if but yeah if you know what it is and i feel like also with like live musicians that would be a lot more um a lot more engaging. Yeah, I mean, I think there was there was a part of it where it's like we have a mutual respect and trust with each other, mm -hmm. um, and doing it in front of an audience, there is a sort of an understanding of like, well, we're not here to just like we have to actually be very precise with what we decide to do at any given moment and kind of like wholeheartedly go in, you know. So right. there is a, right. a yeah. dialogue that's happening that you're watching, and I thought that was mm -hmm. really special. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, do you have like 10, 15 more minutes? Because I do a Patreon bonus section, but if you're running low on time, then we, we can. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. That's but before, totally before we get into the bonus section, is there anything that you want to shout from the modular mountaintops? <laughs> from the off? modular mountaintops? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm worth. I guess right now I'm, I'm just working on getting a bunch of music uh, edited and done, which is really exciting. Um, many different projects that take forever to brew, but then we'll eventually make it back out there. Um, we're doing some touring in Europe in July, but otherwise um, just like, you know, just making stuff, doing stuff. And it's been a real pleasure to be here and chatting with you about this, uh, you know, and getting into some of the, the real details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, too much, but good. <laughs> no, no, this is perfect. Um, right on. Well then let's move on to the Patreon bonus thing. Um, great. I'm just going to wing it here. Sure. Um, what's the best movie that you've seen lately? Or, or I guess let's, let's not make it that specific. Is there, okay. has there been a piece of like a, a song, an album, a film, a book, a painting, any, any sort of art that has really moved you in the last few months? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's moved me for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That's our show. Thank you so much for coming back to Podular Modcast. Don't forget, I'm going to be passing on a bunch of stuff from my studio, patch cables, modules, um, and some cassette tapes, stickers, and whatever other goodies that I can scrounge up here uh, in the next month or so. So if you want to be on the receiving end of the notification for when that stuff is going to be up for grabs, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Let's get to 200 subscribers this year. That would be awesome. Also, thank you to Afterlater Audio for their continued support. Don't forget about the Immutable Instruments Classics line. Um, patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R, 
and Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here up in the... And also thank you to Patchworks for their continued support of Podular Modcast. You can check them out at patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Also links to all of Jeremiah's stuff in the show description. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I've got for you this week. Um, the secret word for this week going to be two words. It's poverty mentality. And a poverty mentality is going to bring you nothing but grief. Until next week.